Good morning, everyone. Today's scripture is Psalm 13. If you're reading from the Pew Bibles, it's on page 453. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is the word of the Lord. morning, church. In my home, uh, we still use this archaic thing called a wall calendar. Does anyone else have a a calendar? Yes, that they put up on the fridge. Uh, It's our family calendar. It hangs proudly on the fridge. Uh, I've grown to to love this calendar because it's filled with dates that Kate and I never want to forget, like our anniversary. Husbands, pro tip, Put this one in your personal calendar, too. Our our anniversary, our kids' birthdays, uh, the birthdays, anniversaries of friends and families, these are are moments that we want to remember and celebrate together. But but these aren't the only dates that our our little calendar has collected over the years. You see, over the years, our calendar has collected dates marked by sorrow and pain, too. Uh, These dates we wish we could forget, but that we hope that we never will. Like the tragic death of a close friend's infant son. Or the unexpected loss of another friend's dad. Our family calendar has become a collector of these dates too. One such date uh, was added to our calendar last year, uh, December 27, 2020. Uh, We'll never forget this day because it was the day that Kate's younger sister, Beth, died tragically of a heroin overdose. When we see this date on a calendar, it reminds us of a painful season that the Lord brought us through. We remember uh, the horror of what had happened. On that day, it left us numb, left, left Kate feeling numb. Not just for days, but for weeks and months. We remember what it was like when sorrow took up residence in our hearts and homes like an unwelcomed guest. How it lingered longer than we thought bearable. When you flip through the calendar of your own story, do you see seasons like this? Seasons of pain that just seem to linger But maybe you're in one of those seasons now, this morning. Question, what is a Christian to do when pain and sorrow, trouble, heartache, grief, when these things linger in our lives? What do you do when you're overwhelmed by the troubles of your life, when you you can't see an end in sight? That pregnancy test read negative again, and the pain of infertility just lingers. The sting of rejection and hurt that you feel from that that relationship lingers. 
Those intrusive thoughts of harming yourself keep haunting you. They just won't go away. Those bouts of depression and anxiety, they just keep coming back. That chronic pain that that you've been wrestling, wrestling with for a long time. Psalm 13 is in our Bibles to help us navigate the disorienting wilderness of those seasons in our life where pain just lingers. The aim of Psalm 13 in your life and in mine is to lead us to trust more fully, to trust more fully and more deeply in God in the midst of these seasons. One pastor after going through uh, this excruciating uh, long season of grief in his own life after the loss of his his daughter, captures what I think so many of us feel uh, when we're going through seasons like this. He says this. He says, I was living in the tension between pain beyond belief and divine sovereignty beyond comprehension. In other words, he found himself in, in a wilderness of sorts where painful circumstances created painful emotions beyond what he could ever imagine. All the while, he's he's gripping tightly to the promise of God's sovereignty, that he's good and in control of everything, even though he couldn't uh, fully understand how that could be. Pain beyond belief, divine sovereignty beyond comprehension. This, This tension sounds like This is so hard, and God, you're good. This is so hard, and God, you're good. A lot of us here, I think this morning, know what this tension feels like. We know what this feels like, and maybe you're living in this tension right now. So what do we do? What do we do as Christians? I love Psalm 13. I love Psalm 13 because it's been a companion and a huge gift to to me and Kate personally because it's helped us sort of navigate that tension of uh, life is so hard and God, you're so good. Here's what I believe Psalm 13 will do for you if you let it. This psalm will give you a roadmap to follow in your own tension-filled journeys through pain. Here's the path that Psalm 13 uh, will... uh, Here's the path of Psalm 13 that we're going to travel this morning. Uh, It sounds like this. Three simple, portable words. Level, lift, and lean. Level, lift, and lean. First, we're going to see together that Psalm 13 invites us to level with our God about our pain. But we don't want to just stay in our pain. Pain should give way to, to prayer. And so, second, Psalm 13 invites us to to lift up our pain-filled petitions to God. Level, lift, and then third, lean. Psalm 13 invites us to ultimately lean into the steadying providence of God in our pain. Level, lift, lean. So first, we're going to level with our God about our pain. I think the temptation that that we're going to feel in seasons of pain is to, is to pull away from the Lord. Do you ever feel this? Pull away from the Lord, to stay silent. But Psalm 13 sort of helps us to fight this temptation. It helps us to get honest with God about the things that trouble us most. We're not really sure, when, when we look at this psalm, we're not really sure what the circumstances are that led to David writing this lament. But clearly, David's in distress. 
Clearly, he's smack dab in the middle of a long and difficult season of pain. Listen to how David just levels with his God as he's struggling to hold on to this tension that my life is hard and my God is good. Look at verse 1. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? I read this story this past week of a man named Carl. Carl was an officer in the Air Force. Uh, He was strong, able-bodied. All of of that changed, though, within um, a matter of seconds when Carl got into a cycling accident. He sustained uh, head, back, uh, spinal injuries, leaving him paralyzed from the chest down. This was the worst day of his life. But that, Carl said, was not the worst of it. None of that came close to the pain of feeling like God had turned his back on him. Carl said that he went on uh, struggling to pray, struggling to believe But there was no sense of God's presence. Being decimated is one thing, but being abandoned is far worse. David here, he feels abandoned, like invisible to God, forgotten, left to walk this barren wilderness of his grief and pain alone. But it gets worse. Did you notice how many how longs there are in these two verses? You could shout it out. How many do you see? Anyone? There's four. Four how longs? How much longer? How much longer? How much longer? How much longer? David is is struggling with something every one of us struggles with when we're in seasons of pain, right? God's timing. I vividly remember praying this prayer often, sometimes daily, when our our son Silas, when he was in the NICU um, over two years ago. Those were unbearably long, uncertain, hard days. Kate and I thought that he'd be in and out of the NICU, but a day turned into two, two became more, weeks went on and on. In our most raw and and honest moments together, we wondered if if God cared, if he saw our pain. We wondered, what was the point of it all? Dale Ralph Davis captures so well what we were were feeling in our souls, and I I wonder if you can relate to this. He says, "It's, it's one matter to wade through crud, it's the first time, first and only time you're going to hear, hear me say crud up here, all right? <laughs> he said it, I did not. It's one matter to wade through crud and darkness and anxiety, but when you never seem to come out on the other end, when you seem to be marooned in the thick of the mess and hanging on by your fingernails and days pass and nothing changes and God doesn't meet your last conceivable deadline before you cave in, what then? How much longer? The danger is not that we will blow out, but that we will wear out. You ever feel like there are just days when when you're just hanging on by your fingertips, barely hanging on? You don't know how much longer you can hold on? 
Do the days just seem to, to pass by and nothing seems to change? We felt like that. I felt like that in life. We were weary, we were worn out, but by God's grace, we found ourselves walking this path of Psalm 13, leveling with God about the deepest rumblings of our soul. And look, look, our prayers, they were not impressive. They were not impressive at all. They weren't wordy, theological prayers. We were praying weak, tear-stained, stripped-down, two-to-three-word prayers. Like, God, why? Why us? How could you? How much longer? This is so hard. Help. I think Christians, myself included, I think we have a tendency to stop praying in our pain. We have a tendency to stop praying. Like, like we're embarrassed or something with, with the things that we're feeling, the things that we're struggling with. And I think this is a huge mistake Don't stop praying in seasons of pain. Walk the path of Psalm 13 and level with your God about your pain. God knows your mess. He knows your mess. He knows what's going on in your soul. So tell him that you're hurting. Tell him that you're frustrated. Tell him that you're scared. Level with God. But don't just stay there. Pain should lead us to prayer. And so second this morning, we want to lift up our pain-filled petitions to God. Notice how David's posture pivots. Verse 3, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. All right, take a step back real quick. What is going on here? I mean, here, here you have David going on and on and on about how God doesn't see him, that he doesn't pay attention, how he has forgotten him, how he has hid his face from him. So what does David do? He keeps on praying to this God who doesn't hear him. Do you see the, do you sense the disconnect? Dale Davis, again, for the win, he says this. I love this. He says, this is lousy logic, but excellent faith. Lousy logic, excellent faith. I think this is really instructive for us. You can lament a God who isn't paying attention to you and in the next breath, beg him to pay attention to you. These two things aren't at odds with one another. You could be convinced that God doesn't see you, that he's forgotten about you, and cry out, look, answer me. Lousy logic, excellent faith. If this is the reflex, sort of the knee-jerk reaction of your faith in dark seasons of of life, just be encouraged. This might just be the, the clearest evidence that your faith is real that your faith is genuine. If after all the stuff of verses one and two, you keep crying out the words of verse three, Lord, my God, then you must be his. 
So is this the reflex of your faith in seasons where pain just seems to linger in your life? Something to consider. Well, Psalm 13 invites us to lift up our pain-filled petitions to God. But when we take a closer look, three things emerge that David is praying for, he, that, he's, that he's longing for. Verse 3, he says, consider me, answer me, and then light up my eyes. So first, David says, he prays, consider me. The Hebrew word there for uh, just means a careful, sustained, and favorable contemplation. This word means it's, it has, uh, makes its first appearance back in Genesis 15, verse 5. There God's talking to Abraham, and he, he tells him to look up or consider the stars in the heavens. That's, that's how many descendants he's going to give Abraham. So the idea is to, to look on something or to look on someone with great meaning. And so God's, God's look, looking has everything to do with his love. It has everything to do with his care. When my kids have my eyes, they know they have my attention. That's why when, when they really want something, they say to me, Daddy, look. Look at me. It's, I think it's the same with God. When God sees your pain, it, mean, it means he is attentive to it, that he cares. Isn't this what we, isn't this what we all want when we're in the thick of it? Right? We want to know that God cares. We want to know that God cares, that he sees us, that he's attentive to the things that concern us most. So the prayer here is that God would see us, that he would be attentive to our pain, that he would care. Second, David prays, answer me. Not only does he want God to see what he's going through, he wants God to speak to him too. We don't just need God to care about our pain. We need his words too. Third, David prays that God would light up his eyes, which is just another way of saying, give me strength. Give me strength. David needs strength if he's going to endure this season of pain. He's going to need strength if he's going to keep living in this tension uh, between pain beyond belief and divine sovereignty beyond comprehension. And we can see what David's up against here if, you, if we read a little further. Look at verse 3. He says, light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. David is just, he's running on fumes. He's so, he's so weary, so exhausted. I mean, he feels like he's going to die. And so he needs strength. Apparently, without God's strength, evil will have the final word over him. He says in verse 4, Light up my eyes, lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. Are you weary? Do you feel like you're withering this morning? Like David, we need to pray that God would give us strength. So three little prayers that we can pray in our pain. Care for me. Speak to me. Strengthen me. Now, the amazing thing is that these, these deep longings of our soul find their ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. Let me, I just want to show you real quick uh, what this looks like from the book of Hebrews. I think this is incredible. Hebrews 4, 14 through 15. I'm not going to read the text, but they'll be up on the screen. 
tells us that Jesus, by taking on flesh, is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. So he knows our pain. Jesus can care for you, Christian. Jesus can care for you. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, tells us that, that while God spoke in David's day by the prophets, he has spoken to us by his son. So Jesus is God's word to us. And then last, and because of, of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for us, Hebrews 4.16 says that, that we can come boldly to the th- throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So Jesus can strengthen you, Christian. Jesus can care for you. Jesus is God's word to you. And Jesus can strengthen you. So when we're in seasons of pain that for whatever reason just seem to linger, hold on to Jesus. Tether your hope to him. He can love and care and strengthen you. So level with God about your pain. Lift up your pain-filled petitions to him. And then last this morning, lean. When those dark clouds linger over your life, lean into the steadying providence of God. Look at how David leans into the steadying providence of God in the midst of his own pain. Look at verse 5. He says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Do you see the intentionality of these words? I have trusted. My heart shall rejoice. I will sing. I think David, when he's, when he's praying these things, I think he's still hurting. You can, you can, you can just be deeply struggling and yet still trusting. You could be deeply hurting and still rejoicing. You could be fearful and sing. David's choosing to trust even while he can't see a way through his pain. So notice also where where David is sort of locating his trust. He says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. He says, I will sing to the Lord. David is fighting to, to trust in the one who is keeping him trusting. I think this is so important for us to see. So often when we're, when we're in the thick of a painful season, we tend to just assume our hope is anchored to the right stuff. We don't, we don't remember or we don't remind ourselves to keep trusting in the one who keeps us trusting. I think one practical way that we can help one another keep each other's faiths tethered to the right stuff, to the right person, is by doing what David does in verse 6. What does he do there? He says, I will sing. David sings in the midst of his pain. I wonder if we realize the, the, the treasure that we have in, in song when we're just, when we're, plunged deep into darkness. I also wonder if we realize how much we need each other's voices in those dark seasons of life. In some of, in some of our deepest and darkest moments, Kate and I have found the sound of God's people singing to be good medicine for our torn and aching souls. 
So when, you're, when your soul is troubled, Trinity, sing. When you can't find the words to say, sing. Sing the Psalms. Sing songs of sorrow and hope, of pain and joy. Sing songs of God's faithfulness and his care and his love and his mercy. And when you gather on Sundays, sing out. It might just be that what that person needs most next to you is to hear you sing out passionately gospel truths. So when those dark clouds come and stay, fight to hope in God. Follow the path of Psalm 13 and keep trusting in the one who keeps you trusting. When, when you're blindsided by, this, by a devastating diagnosis, fight to hope in God. When, when the pain is overwhelming, when pain and grief and sorrow are, are just crushing you, fight to hope in God. When there doesn't seem to be an end to all your, your struggling and, and suffering and disappointment, fight to hope in God. Keep trusting in the one who keeps you trusting. And I promise you, he is faithful to keep you trusting. One way I think we can fight to hope in God is by keeping our eyes locked in, fixed on the end of the story. Jesus has, he's already come to put away um, and deal with our sin, and he's coming back to put an end to our pain, too. Here's how the story's going to end, if you know Jesus. Revelation 21, starting in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. No more tears. No more death. No more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. All the former things have passed away. Hold on to this, Christian. Anchor your aching heart to the end of the story. I've been listening to this, this new song recently. I love the, this song because it's just filled with hope. The song's called Almost Home. It goes like this. That promised land is calling. We're almost home. And not a tear shall fall then. We're almost home. Make ready now your souls for that kingdom come. No turning back. We're almost home. This journey, ours together, we're almost home. Unto that great forever. We're almost home. What song anew will sing round that happy throne? Come faint of heart. We're almost home. This life is just a vapor. We're almost home. That sun is setting yonder. We're almost home. Take courage, for this darkness shall break to dawn. Oh, lift your eyes. 
We're almost home. Hang on, Christian. You're almost home. Take courage. All this darkness that you experience in your life is going to break through to dawn. That promised land is calling you. You are almost home. And listen, not one tear is going to fall there. You are almost home. But until you and I reach the safety and rest of home, travel the well-worn path of Psalm 13 in your seasons of pain. And level, lift, lean. Let's pray. Father, we find ourselves in seasons of life where pain just lingers. And what a comfort this psalm is to us, that we can level with you about the things that concern us most. We can lift up our pain-filled prayers to you. You delight to hear these things from us. And that we can ultimately lean into, that we can lean into you. So would you help us to do this? Together, would you help us to walk the path of Psalm 13 in some of our hardest seasons of life? And in the midst of all this, would you help us to keep our eyes locked in on Christ, who walked the darkest journey, the darkest path for us so that one day we will experience no more tears and just the bliss of joy in your presence. Give us grace in these moments to walk with one another. Thank you for the way that you love and care for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.